Welcome to Mystical Dispute, the limited Magic the Gathering debate podcast. I'm Garrett Gardner, a.k.a. G-Guards. And I'm Carl Chase, a.k.a. 2 Cubed. Check out our monthly bonus mini-episodes on patreon.com slash mysticaldispute, and thank you to our patrons. And today, we are going to debate Blue Sun's Twilight versus... Hex Gold Slash. And a quick reminder, Blue Sun's Twilight is X blue blue for a sorcery. It says gain control of target creature with mana value X or less. And if X is five or more, you get a copy of that creature. And Hex Gold Slash is a red for an instant, two damage to a creature or four damage to a creature with toxic. Can't guess what side of this one Garrett's going to be on, guys. Huh? Huh? I bet you can't guess. <laughs> is he going to be on the boring one mana spell? <laughs> or the flashy win the game instantly spell that costs seven mana is in a bad color? Nobody knows. Will it be Garrett or Carl that's on the boring card? <laughs> Good lord, Carl. Can we just go on to in this corner? Opening takes. All right, Carl set me up here, but he's right. I'm the boring guy on the one mana shock variant in red, and I am actually earnestly taking that over Blue Sun's Twilight, which is, without a doubt, an incredible bomb. And this is very unlike me. Generally, I think that you should strongly draft what's open, but this format is so lopsided that I just don't want to draft blue, ever. And for me, it's really difficult to consider passing a spell that, again, essentially reads seven mana win the game. Yep. Even if it is in what is by far the worst color in Phyrexia All Will Be One. However, it still makes me really uncomfortable to first pick this card for a variety of reasons. Usually because having a card that does nothing in your hand means you will not survive the first six turns of the game. And so you really, really, really have to think about how you're drafting around it. This is not D. DMU, this is not Strixhaven, this is not, you know, whatever it is where you can reliably get to a lot of mana, you are going to be faced with very likely pressure on turn one through turn five. And if you can't deal with that, you die. Hence my argument. All right, Carl, let's move on to... Data Crunch. <laughs> Am I ruining our podcast, Carl, or is is that okay with you? Uh, I mean, I don't know what ruining our podcast is. It's, it's not like we really take ourselves all that seriously to begin with. That's so. true, that's true. But let's just throw a couple stats at you here. Hexcode Slash has a 58.5% game in hand win rate, whereas Blue Sun's Twilight has a 61.2%. So I guess right there... You're already winning, Carl. The data is always on your side. Although I do want to highlight that a common being a couple points below such an incredible rare is quite the feat. Okay, here is the part where somebody is going to come in and be like, why aren't you arguing the sides that you're on? Because I'm going to actually argue for your side in this case. All right. And this is an important format to consider stats other than just the game in hand win rate. I'm going to go totally off topic for just a second and talk about a very, very extreme example, but it will get the point across very well. Let's set our one mana red spell and seven mana blue spell aside and go to a seven mana Witch Maw Nephilim colored spell, aka Atraxa. That was a throwback to all of you magic boomers out there. <laughs> and Atraxa the Grand Unifier is, of course, an absolutely absurd spell. Uh, it costs three green, white, blue, black. It is a 7-7 flying vigilance death touch lifelink 
that you reveal the top 10 cards of your library, and for each card type, you get to put one of those cards into your hand. So this is a 7-7 with every single keyword and lifelink and draws you, like, five cards. Just an absolutely absurd spell. But of course, as we talked about, it's a two-color format. It's a format where your opponents are just flinging stuff at you in the first four turns of the game. And so playing a four-color spell that you have to get to seven mana for is a very challenging feat. So you go over and you look at the game in hand win rate for a Tracks of the Grand Unifier, and it is 62.2%. And you say, oh, well, that's actually one of the better rares in the set. Maybe I should take it. But then what you need to do is go over to two other stats. One is the games not seen, which is basically what is the win percentage when the card's in your deck, but you don't actually draw it, which is 43.2%, which for all cards that have a large enough sample size to have stats for every type of win rate stat on 17 lands, the lowest games not seen win rate. So basically your deck is terrible when you don't draw it, more so than any other card in the format. That is of course then combined in the games played win rate number, which takes into account both when you draw the card and when you do not draw the card. There tends to be pretty high correlation between game in hand win rate and game played win rate, but not always. If you go to the card performance comparison tool on 17 lands, you can select the game and hand win rate for the x-axis and the in-deck win rate, which is the same as the games played win rate for the y-axis. And there's a tight correlation across almost all of the cards in the format, and you can kind of see that play out in all the dots in the data. And there is one huge outlier that is way off the scatter plot of the curve. And that's Atraxa the Grand Unifier. Because while it is maybe a top 10 in game in hand win rate, it is like bottom third in terms of games played win rate of all the cards in the format. So decks that play Atraxa suck and basically only win when they draw Atraxa. So let's take that incredibly extreme example in Atraxa and head back to Hex Gold Slash versus Blue Sun's Twilight. While Blue Sun's Twilight has a game in hand win rate of 61.2%, it has a games not seen win rate of 51.6%, and the two of those average out to a 55.6 game played win rate, aka whenever Blue Sun's Twilight is in your deck, 17 lands users win 55.6% of the time. Hex Gold Slash, 58.5 game in hand, 56.7 games not seen, which averages out to a 57.4% game Games played win rate. So decks that play Hex Gold Slash win 1.8% of the time more often. This is one of the things that I struggle with when it comes to thinking about the two different things that these different sets of data offer in evaluating cards in a draft. When you're taking a card in a draft, you're doing it to make the best deck that you possibly can. In theory, you could just say, well, we'll just go right to the games played win rate then because I want my deck to be good whether I draw this card or not. And how is this card going to facilitate building a deck around it? I want to create the best overall deck at the end of the day. And that could totally lead you down the path of thinking about games played win rate when you're drafting. But game at hand win rate is going to be much more tightly correlated to the effect that that card has in the game itself when you draw it. And I think what that means is you can't really look at only one of these stats. You have to think about both of them. You have to think about what is going to happen if I put this card in my deck and I build a deck around it, and what sort of effect on the game is the Blue Sun's Twilight going to have when I draw it. So for a card like Blue Sun's Twilight, your deck's going to be probably not nearly as good when you don't draw it as Hexgold Slash. So you want to increase the likelihood that you draw it, 
You want to increase the likelihood that you can get to seven mana, which means that you're already putting yourself in a spot where you're probably trying to play a little bit more of a controlling strategy with Blue Sun's Twilight, or be comfortable casting it for like four or five mana to take a two or a three drop. And, you know, that's kind of how I think the data can represent what you're trying to do in a real life draft. Well, that makes sense to me, Carl. Thanks for making my point for me. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Which essentially boils down to even if you have one card that is phenomenal in your deck, the rest of your deck still has to work in order to get a significant bump. Just one card is not going to cut it. And that is sort of my mantra as to why I don't want to take Blue Sun's Twilight. It's just not going to do enough in the context of blue being as terrible as I personally think it is in Phyrexia All Be One. And I want to follow up, Carl, by looking at the win rates of the 10 color pairs and comparing them once again from 17 lands. Blue, black, green, blue, and blue, red are all in the 51% (laughs) win rate. Compare that to the average win rate of 54.8 across the whole format and the other color pairs, which are more like 53, 54, gruel being 57. It's a fairly significant jump. And so compare that to other formats we've had in 17 lands. Often with other formats, you'll see a massive discrepancy with win rates, but only like one or two color pairs will be this dismal. This win rate reflects every single blue color pair. Now there's an exception that blue white is at 54.3%, but that's still below the format win rate average. So I think it's fair to say fairly plainly that blue is just across the board very bad in this format on average for the average 17 lands user. So all that to say, I really truly believe blue is just not something I ever want to do. And I'll say it right now, I still have not drafted a single blue deck. Yeah, and that context is very important when you're thinking about the stats for these cards, too. All of what I just described about the game's played win rate has to do with color strength. It doesn't have anything really to do with the strength of the cards, because in a nutshell, if you could cast both of these cards for any color of mana, Blue Sun Zenith is still a much better card. And one of the ways that you can kind of, it doesn't always work out perfectly because archetypes have their certain flavors, but one of the ways you can really see this is by going to the color pair that they're both in and looking at win rates in that color pair. Right. Blue Sun's Twilight has a 55.1% games played win rate in blue red. And Hex Gold Slash is almost two points lower at 53.3%. And the game and hand win rate is more severe than that. It's 60.6% versus 55.2. So almost five plus points different. One way you could think about this is assuming you're in a deck that is going to play blue, Blue Sun Zenith is going to be a better card than Hex Gold Slash. And assuming that you're in a deck that is going to play red, Blue Sun Zenith is going to be a better card than Hex Gold Slash. AKA, once you've got a given guarantee of that color being in a deck, the strength of Blue Sun's Zenith is just higher. But when you're drafting first pick by taking Blue Sun's Zenith, it basically means that if you want to use that, you have to play blue and blue sucks, comparatively speaking. Yeah. By taking Hex Gold Slash, you have the opportunity to play red if you want to play that card. I mean, saying it a little bit differently, right? Uh, it's more the optimistic side and you don't have to play blue um, <laughs> if you're going to play Hex Gold Slash. Right. And that's exactly why I want to take the Slash over Twilight early because I just simply never want to play blue. But maybe let's get into more of that in... Debate it. I already said it, but it's bears repeating. I almost never advocate for hard avoiding a color to the degree that I am avoiding blue. In fact, I thought about it. The last time that I've done this was during Battle for Zendikar, where green was so unplayable 
that I literally never touched it, and I had pretty decent results in that format. And that was eight years ago, if you wanted to feel like that meme where Matt Damon slowly ages to an old man. Uh, eight years from <laughs> since Battle for Zendikar. And for me, that was blue in AFR. Mm. Actually, that, that illustrates my point even further. I played quite a bit of blue in AFR, blue-black specifically. I felt like I could kind of get there because it was anti-meta. You could get the decent cards late and kind of make it work sometimes. But this format, to me, it just feels like I don't want to touch blue with a 10-foot pole no matter what I get. And that's why I chose Blue Sun's Twilight because that card just, it's incredible. Like mind control effects are very good always. And this is like a mind control and a duplicate effect. It's just nuts. And on top of that, we keep saying it's best at seven mana, but it's still just regular mind control at less than five. And mind control is still excellent, but it is double blue. So you don't even have that option of splashing it. This has to be one of the more aggressive and plain two-color vanilla formats that I think I've ever played. Maybe ever, actually. And by two-color format, I specifically mean I almost never want to splash in this format. I just want to be two colors only because it's just too slow to splash. You've got to play ideally a one drop into a two drop into a three drop it's just like how the format plays out almost all the games play out this way and it's just how you have to build your deck it's the meta and it's how the commons interact with each other and that leads me into the biggest thing i don't like about blue it's commons literally every single common like i don't want to play any of them the best one is probably gataxian raptor which is two and a blue one four you can turn into a four one flying that card's okay. That card being the best performing blue common is miserable. Like that's a supporting common at best. I actually find myself in this position with a lot of formats because the blue plan in limited design often ends up being like synergy and combo and like this card is not great and this card's not great, but together they're very powerful. And you know, that's not really in line with my style. So I actually end up not playing a lot of blue. But in this format, you just don't have time to go off with any of these two card combos because the combos in this format are literally two mana two twos and three mana three threes and one mana plus two plus two tricks. Like the combo in this format is being on the play. <laughs> it's just my experience with the format is getting as many bodies on the ground and combat tricks and haste creatures so that I overrun my opponent with either toxic or pure damage as soon as possible. And all these blue commons, you can look at them, they like collect oil counters or they care about how many artifacts you have or they have death triggers or they give poison counters but through effects and not through damage. That is the opposite of what I want to do ever when I'm playing this format. God forbid you have to consider card interactions, Garrett. <laughs> I know that's one of your least favorite things to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm so boring. But hey, this format, I guess, was designed for me because it, like you said it early. I think it was our first episode with this where it's just the vanilla format. And it really, really is. Now, I need to put a disclaimer out here. This is my opinion, obviously, right? We're on mystical dispute. We argue against each other. There are people out there that are making blue work. There are people that can leverage the fact that blue is underdrafted to make cool blue decks. I, I see it, and I'm not trying to say that those people are wrong. I'm just saying that that is not something I am literally ever interested in doing myself. I would rather just play the red 
green and white creatures and then maybe black <laughs> that's that's my approach to the format it really is that simple and it's actually maybe one of the reasons that the episode was delayed because we're trying to figure out an interesting topic here and hey lo and behold i'm over 20 drafts into the format and i haven't played a single blue card in any of my decks and i'm not doing terribly and again, just to circle back, right? When a color is massively underdrafted, it makes sense that you can leverage that and pick up the great cards late. But two things are preventing me from ever doing that. First is, I don't even really see what the payoffs are. Like Blue Sun's Twilight is probably one of the best ones, but it's still seven mana. So I don't even really particularly want to go in on that in this format. And the other thing is in order to identify that blue is wide open, you have to be pretty deep into pack one. And by that point, I probably just have better cards I'd rather play anyway. So I'm just not going to abandon ship and play the two mana two ones or whatever that blue offers because it's just not a payoff that I'm willing to go in on. Well, Garrett, I'm here to tell you that I come from a spot of experience, prestige, and results making blue work in this format. Oh, yeah? I may not have had a trophy with a blue deck yet, but I have won 76 games with blue decks. Wow. And lost 81. So, you know, <laughs> it's not that much less than I'm winning with other decks anyway, so who the f*** cares? <laughs> Carl, are you trying to say you might hate blue a little bit more than I do even? Whose side are you on here? No, I'm not. I'm really just sad because I can't win games of Magic in, in this set at all. <laughs> and behind the scenes, everybody, Carl has been on one of the worst variance benders I think I've ever seen. And he's slowly losing his mind a little bit, but I think he's trudging his way through it. But my current theory is that the variance and tilt series that we did, the universe is taking it out on Carl and his results. I've had to stop myself, Garrett, from putting a Twitter thread out there with like 25 tweets of screenshots of games that I've lost where you would say, how did you lose this game in like every single one of the 25? It has been mind numbing. It has made me question my strengths in magic. The last 2000 games that I played before one, I had a 66% win rate in premier draft. That's a lot of games. 2000 games yeah, is a good sample yeah. size. We're at 66%. And now over the last nine days, and I've played a lot over the last nine days, 236 games. I have a 53.8% win rate. And I don't believe that it's just variance. I don't believe that it's just the format. I don't believe that it's just my play. I believe it's a combination of all three of those things. For sure. Now that said, Garrett has convinced me that I can still have relevant thoughts about magic, even though I'm not winning. It's true. So thank you, Garrett, for that as I work through my existential crisis live on my podcast here. But I do have some thoughts on blue. I have had a lot of five and six win decks recently with blue and kind of feel like I'm sorting to, I'm starting to figure out the color. And the big thing to me that I realized when it comes to playing blue is number one, because just the overall generic quality of the cards is so much lower, you simply cannot afford to do anything but build an extremely linear deck. You either need to be heavy on proliferate payoffs and be a proliferate deck. And there's probably two versions of that. There's like the scheming aspirant Venser version of that. And there's the poison version of that. Mm -hmm. There's also kind of like a red blue spells version of that where you're oil and maybe you're proliferating, but it's a lot of non-creature spells and things of that order. And then, of course, the heavier artifact decks usually paired with white. But you have to be really, really, really linear. And you have to defer to that 
linear strategy significantly more than you would otherwise be comfortable with. Like, if you're in the blue-white artifact deck, even though Gataxian Raptor is one of the better performing blue commons in general, you can't afford to play that card or prioritize it at all. Like, maybe it ends up making your deck, but you have to prioritize an extremely, extremely large amount of artifacts so that your Mandible Justicar, your Eye of Malkator, and various other artifact payoffs are going to hit extremely hard. Yeah. I've had some success with the Blue Black Poison Proliferate deck, and I basically did so by checking out a tier list of the best cards in the archetype that Defor made at Defor3 on Twitter. Go check it out. Yeah, highly recommend that thread. And in it, he places cards like Prologue to Phyresis. That's the one in blue, give a poison counter and draw a card. Distorted Curiosity. The Divination, draw two cards that's cheaper when you have Corrupted. Experimental Augury. The Anticipate, look at three, draw one, and proliferate. Ahead of a card like Gataxian Raptor. The list is extremely linear in what it is trying to do. You are trying to deal poison and then proliferate that poison. And anything that doesn't do those two things outside of the best removal or the best bombs is not where you want to be at. And so you would say, okay, that places a burden in the deck building process. Because if you are going to start down a particular path and you have to stick to it extremely hard, it just doesn't give you room to quote unquote draft the hard way. Because every time you go outside of that linear path, you are potentially diluting the effect that the deck is going to have at the end of the day. But if at somewhere down the line, your deck gets cut, then you're going to have an absolute train wreck. The good thing about blue, though, is that nobody freaking drafts it. (laughs) You have to go all the way down to the 20th highest drafted card to find a blue card. So there are 19 cards that are drafted higher than the first blue card in Mesmerizing Dose. And this stat is fun. Of the latest drafted commons, the 10 latest drafted commons, eight of them are blue. (laughs) And this is in the last five days, by the way. So I'm looking more recently as the trends have evolved. Eight of them are blue. So blue is going to be wide open in most of your drafts. If you happen to try to draft blue when others are drafting blue, unless you're on very different linear archetypes, it's probably going to be a bad deal for you. But if you end up being the only blue drafter at the table, sometimes you can get like fifth or sixth pick Blue Sun's Twilight in pack three or something like that. And sometimes you're going to get the best uncommons for the archetype a lot later. Either way, you don't actually have to take all of the linear pieces for these decks early, you can kind of wait and see. Often, maybe you take a Blue Sun's Twilight and take a bunch of cards in another more contested color and then pick up the blue cards late. And I think, Carl, that's what my rebuttal to this is. My rebuttal to ever drafting a blue card. Because you've described several blue archetypes that have very little overlap. There's the poison one, there's the artifact one, you know, there's the proliferate one that maybe has a little bit of overlap. But in general... The blue cards don't have a lot of synergy with other blue cards. So if you do go in on blue, you also have to have your fingers crossed that the right blue cards are in the draft pool for you to pick up. And that's a lot of risk. I mean, usually when a color is underpowered in a format, you can still get paid off because once the meta recognizes that, you can be the only drafter in that color. 
But in Phyrexia All Will Be One, it often feels to me that even if you are the only blue drafter at the table, blue can still not be open. I'm not completely denying that you can't make a good blue deck. Like I think that that's totally possible, but the amount of risk that you're taking on by jumping into blue, even late, even when you've determined that blue is wide open, it's just like you might not get the right blue commons to get enough playables for your deck. That's what my concern is. And then I compare that to the fact that if I'm battling with, I don't know, two or maybe even three other people over red cards, I still am going to end up with a deck with decent red commons in it because like almost all of the red commons are baseline decent. And so I guess that kind of brings out in me something that I don't usually do, which is completely avoid a color, but it's a risk assessment. And I'm just not willing to take on that risk of getting the busted synergistic blue deck because I can't guarantee that I'll be able to fill the whole thing out throughout the draft. Yeah, you put that together and red's cards, you're going to have to fight over more, but they're good on their own. Yep. Blue's cards, you don't have to fight over at all. And if you don't connect them in a very synergistic way, you will die a bloody, terrible Phyrexian death. (laughs) That said, for whatever reason, people still aren't taking chimney rabbles that high. Don't make that mistake yourself. Take the chimney rabbles. They're great. All right, Carl, let's wrap all this up in... Closing Arguments. Carl, we discuss all the time. I'm a simple man. I like simple creatures that have power and toughness. I like simple removal, simple combat tricks. I like efficiency and getting ahead on board. And clearly, I like inefficiency and creatures without power and toughness. (laughs) Well, no, I'm going to say the other side of this is people like to come up with combos. They like to make powerful decks with parts that assemble together and make something great. And that, I will openly admit, is just not something that I tend to gravitate towards. Now, it doesn't mean I'll never do it. And we make fun of me a lot. I am still capable of building synergistic decks, but I still very much emphasize the basics. And blue in this format is the antithesis of all of that. And therefore, I'm breaking a rule of mine and I am just hard forcing to never play blue in Phyrexia All will be one. And to be honest, I have no regrets. And I think I'll probably keep this up. I'm excited to find out what will be in blue to make me finally go into it. Because yesterday I passed a pack two pick one Jace (laughs) while I built out some toxic deck or something. And I have no regrets over that either. Garrett, if you were a constructed player, you'd be that guy that always comes with four copies of the nine best cards in the format all just jammed into the same deck. (laughs) And I make that joke. And it used to be that that was a humorous joke. And then I think standard just literally became all of that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, But I digress. We're not talking about constructed here. Your style is clearly a high floor, low ceiling style. Yep. And over time, you have proven yourself that you have excellent results using that approach. And in Phyrexia, all will be one. That's looking real damn good right now. I tell you what. This format was made for me, Carl. (laughs) Admittedly, I have an extremely jaded perspective about this format right now. My results are so much worse than any other set that we've had. And it is definitely affecting my confidence and really just my ability to feel like I can critically think through what's working and what's not because a lot of the strategies that I tend to go to or a lot of the approaches that I feel like I've landed on have not worked all that well for me here. And again, discerning whether that is 
variance or bad play or bad approach is challenging to say the least. I do, though, feel very confident in my take on how important it is to be linear with blue. I do think that there is probably still some unexplored territory with hyper, hyper linear decks in this format. Not like super far off the beaten path, but more like the types of decks that you're going to put a lot of cards with pretty bad game in hand win rates together with. For example, maybe you play something like Seven Spell Bomb in a deck with four mandible justicars like right. crazy stuff like that that just like on the surface is goofy but i think there are pockets of synergy that are left to be explored but the problem is nobody is really getting rewarded for doing so because when you go to experiment you just get blasted in the face with a chimney rabble and a furnace strider yeah and the experiment fails and you don't want to go back to it even if there was something there and and you can tune it and figure it out the payoff and the reward is just a lot more challenging to get at and a lot more challenging to work through and even when there's things there I think you're just seeing a lot less of that because when you experiment you're going to lose a lot and you're going to have to just deal with that and accept that to get through things for example my 12 land 6 dune mover deck which (laughs) I will say there is potentially a little bit of something there from a hand smoother premier draft perspective but the mistake that I made was the other 22 cards that I put in the deck were bad yeah that'll do it and so then I just had a bunch of two ones that I lost. Uh, so don't do that. If you're going to play Dune Movers and 12 lands, you at least have to have a plan. Maybe one of the worst <laughs> decks I've ever made in my entire life. Carl is dedicated to the experiment. We can say that much about him. The mana was great, Gary. The mana was great. It just didn't <laughs> right, have any right, good cards. Right, I believe you. <laughs> anyway, we will see how this evolves. In Phyrexia, I'll be one. And if you have co-hosts in the coming weeks, you will know it is because I gave up. Carl, it's a new month and a new horizon. I believe in you and your new found relationship with Phyrexia all will be one. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that somebody does. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up. So thanks for listening to Mystical Dispute. You can support the show on Patreon. I'm Garrett Gardner. You can find me at twitch.tv slash gguards. And I'm Carl Chase. You can find me at Twitter at 2 cubed. Shout out to 17 Lands for the data. You can support them on Patreon as well. And until next time, stay chill and not blue. Adios. Blue Sun Zenith. It's not Zenith. Twilight. How many times am I going to say this episode? Hex Gold Slash versus Blue Sun Zenith. (laughs) I went and did the whole thing over again to say Twilight (laughs) instead of Zenith. And then I said Zenith again. Um, (laughs) Just say... Blue Sun's Zenith. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Say Blue Sun. Oh, my God.